If you can hear this message, listen closely. To the exiled, misunderstood, or upside down, this is your message of hope. When problems come, use them. When enemies persecute you, love them. These struggles are a fire, refining you into gold. Look around. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. Challenge what is expected of you. This world is not your home. You are different. You know, as we start this new series, I've really been prompted and feeling very strongly that God is calling us as a church to continually be reminded that we are different. I don't know about you, but sometimes my mama looked at me when I was a kid and said, boy, you are different. <laughs> Not going to lie, most of the time I was like, thanks, mom. And then I got older and started going, wait, mom. But we were all called to be different, aren't we? As believers, you know, those who name Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Savior, we all look at that and we say, you know, man, what is separating us from the world? And hopefully you don't ask that too long before you realize the Spirit of God is the game changer. The Spirit of God that lives in you, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are different. You may not necessarily feel that right away. You might not feel that you have changed everything that you are right away. But I know one thing is for sure, that God did not make us on a mass production line. God did not make you in a mass production line. He created you unique. He created each of you differently. And he took great care in making us who we were meant to be. You have a purpose, and God has a plan for you in mind. He created you not just to be a replica of somebody else. He created you to be different. I heard it said a long time ago, and it's always stood with me, that everyone is born an original, but many die a copy. Everyone is born an original, but oftentimes we're so concerned about what other people think that people die a copy. I want us to tackle that for a moment because I need you to let that sink in. I believe we have a quote for that on the screen here. Everyone is born an original, but many die a copy. You see, I want us to tackle this morning that when you live faithfully to God and fruitfully In a world that is not your home, you won't always be recognized by them. I need you to be okay with that. I need you to be okay with the fact that the world will not recognize you. When I say recognize you, there's two different ways to be recognized. Recognize as to be seen and recognize as to be acknowledged. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I can hardly recognize you. That's very different than I don't even know you're there. I don't. I didn't acknowledge you there. So what I'm saying to you is that when people look at you, they may know that you're there, but not recognize who you are in Jesus. 
If you start living out your dream and wait for people to come alongside you so you can live it, you will never fulfill your dream. Don't you get quiet on me. If you wait for people to come alongside you, if you wait for people to appreciate, if you, if you wait for people to promote you, if you wait for people to somehow uh, affirm you, you will be waiting a long time. Why? Because God created you to be different. You move forward with that. Everyone is born an original. Live like it. Come on, somebody. We're called to live faithfully and fruitfully in a world that will tell you you're not like us. And you're supposed to be willing to say, I know, I'm only passing through. See, we're going to take a good long look at the book of 1 Peter and how this navigates the times in which we're in right now. Do you realize that we're never, we're not living in a time like it's normal? This is not normal how we're living right now. We're living in a time that we need to identify what's happening around us. And there are some people facing a trial they never ever imagined possible. Raise your hand if you faced a trial in the last 12 months that you never saw possible. Tell me that you knew what 2020 was supposed to be like. For those facing a trial, I want you to know that you are not by yourself. You're not by yourself. I want to tell you, if you're here and you don't have answers, you're not alone. If you're here and you're battling cancer, if you're listening and your child is making poor decisions, if you're listening and you're single looking for the right one, it seems impossible. If you're trying and you can't conceive, if you have financial obstacles and you can't land that job, you can't seem to get your marriage right, you can't seem to pay your bills, all these things are mounting. Friend, I want to tell you that these trials can either make you or break you. The difference is, are you living differently? All these things were written in 1 Peter. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. We're going to use it. 1 Peter was written by Simon Peter, and Peter writes to hurting Christians. No wonder. Here are some of the things he tackles in this book, 1 Peter. This is a series. The whole month of September, we're going to be going through this series. I want you to make 1 Peter a priority of your reading this month. As your pastor, I'm asking you, read 1 Peter. Read it through, and when you get done, read it through again. And when you're done, then move on and read it again. Until we get through the rest of the month. The rest of the month, I want you to read 1 Peter, the book. I want to see, tell yourself, I want to read this book through several times. Not just once, several times. I'm going to read it through. Set yourself a plan. Here are some of the topics that 1 Peter discusses, topics that we all need to know about, right? Well, here's a few. Election, foreknowledge, sanctification, obedience, the blood of Christ, the Trinity. He talks about grace, revelation, and hope. How many know we need to know about these things? <laughs> right? These are things we need to know about. So if you haven't cracked open your Bible... Blow the dust off of it, crack it open, tap or turn, whatever works for you, and get yourself to 1 Peter and start reading it. Start realizing what's there because what's most emotional in his writing is that you could see often that he's talking to a people who are suffering. 
Look at it for yourself. You'll see he's, he's talking to a people that are going through the ringer. And if you're, if you're finding yourself right now going through the ringer, if you have a question that nobody can answer, and even you say, Pastor Tony, I could even pose it to you, and I'm sure you can't answer it. Because this is, there are questions that only God can answer. How many know there are questions only God can answer, right? But guess what? There are questions he can answer. We can go to him and we can pray. We can say, God, show us what this looks like. And he's speaking to those who are suffering. And, and it's been said that first Peter was written somewhere between 60 and 65 A.D. During the reign of Nero. For those who don't know, the reign of Nero was a, a very, very difficult reign uh, for Christians. It was a very, very difficult time for Christians. In fact, Nero was one of the most vicious and vile men to ever uh, rule, and during that, during that time, Christians faced extreme persecution. If you've never read about Nero, my goodness, um, somewhere along the lines of 64 AD, Nero actually uh, would, um, in order to keep his city lit, he actually, and forgive the uh, slight graphic nature, but I'm going to tell you the truth, he actually took persecuted Christians and lit them up on fire to light up the city. Well, we need, we need torches. No, just get those Christians and light them up on the, on the gate. And he'd light up his city with believers. He'd put them, set them on fire and light up his city. And he'd sit back, laugh, and have a great like nothing. He was one of the most vile, horrible people to take the throne. And in that, he had an insatiable lust for power and an insatiable lust for anything that was opposing the word of God. He blamed Christians for some things because they were preaching truth. And, you know, anyone who doesn't like truth or believes in that the truth is relative, you, you're offended that someone would have an absolute truth. But friend, there is an absolute truth. And for those that say there is no absolute truth, I would say, are you absolutely sure? From jump, I want you to know, Christians, this is not your home. This is not your home. We can take care of our bodies here, and you should. We can take care of each other here, and we should. We should care for our friends and our believers. We should. Our community, reach out, and we should. How are you hearing me? Those things, we got to do those things. That's what God has called us to do. But this is not your home. Stop living for here. Stop waiting for the approval of man. Stop waiting for somebody to like you in order to do the work of the ministry. Stop waiting for somebody to acknowledge you to do work for Jesus. Everything you do, I need every Christian, look at me right now. Everything you do for him, he recognizes. Every time you talk to somebody and give them hope. Every person you ever lent money to that never paid you back and you said, you know what? I will forgive that debt because he's forgiven me mine. Anytime you've ever lent somebody something and they, whatever it may be, and they never got it back to you and they swear they never borrowed it, move on. Why? Because this world is too short to get concerned with the things that are in it. There are far greater concerns that we have as believers, yes? 
So let's write right from the jump. Let's, let's look at this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Come on, somebody turn there. If you haven't turned there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. We've been looking at 1 Peter this entire month. Uh, I invite you to look at it. It's Hebrews, James, and then we go into 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. I have the New Living Translation on the screen here. But depending on the translation, this is the one I'm reading right now. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he writes, I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners. Everybody say foreigners. In the providences of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so we look at right off the bat, he's talking about chosen people living as foreigners. Now the word for foreigners is the Greek word parapidemois. Parapidemois. I think we have that. Parapidemois. And it means exiles, sojourners, aliens, strangers, or foreigners. Right? So it's people who don't necessarily call that place their home. And he calls Christians this, foreigners. This, not foreigners to this country, foreigners to this earth. We are passing through. My friend, look at me. Because you are not from here, you don't live like those that are from here. We give first before we get. We love before we receive love. We are called to look differently. So I want to talk about having deliberate and different faith in trials. Different kind of faith in trials. See, we have different values as believers. Would you agree? We have different values, different standards, different goals. You ever find like, you ever found out that you are different than everybody else around? You look around. There's not a single one of us that are just identical to us, even down to your DNA and your hair and your, the lack thereof or whatever that looks like, right? We're all different. God has created us different. And even if you're a set of twins, you're still different, right? There's only, there's only one set of twins that I know about in this room right now. But even you are different, right? Even the DNA, the structure is different. And then the parents would say, oh, I know they're different. I know exactly which one did what, right? I know which one is prone to do this, which one is prone to do that. Guess what? God sees you as different, he sees you as his children. We often base, uh, we look at our trials and we look at them as all bad. How many know that they're bad trials, but there's also good that can come from trials? See, now we wouldn't say, you know, trials are bad because that's or else they wouldn't be called trials, right? They're trials. They, they're difficult. But God has given you faith for the fire. Friends, God has given you faith for the fire. How many agree with that? Did you know that you can thrive through your fire? You can thrive through your fire. So we read on. He goes on to say, chapter 1, verse 1, I read it. 
verse 2, we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. How many know the Spirit is working in you? Did you hear the word sanctifying in there? Sanctifying is a process. Sanctification is a process. Salvation is a moment in time when God saved you. There's no process of salvation. You either love Jesus and you're saved or you're not, period. There's no like stage two of salvation. I'm on stage two B. Like I'm still working this part out so I can get saved. Oh wait, I got to lead three people to Jesus. Then maybe I can get, I can move on to stage three of salvation. Then maybe I can achieve that goal. And hello, that's ridiculous. You either know Jesus and you're saved or you're not. And it is only through Jesus Christ. Hello? I just want to make sure you know that. It's only Jesus Christ, right? Not your works. Not what you do. And so he's talking about sanctification. So that's salvation. What is salvation and what is sanctification? Salvation is a moment in time where you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Sanctification is after you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, what is he washing out of you through the, through the, through the word? What is he washing through you? How many of you ever had uh, an instant where your child had something on their shirt? on their pants, on their socks, and you had to soak that in something powerful. It had to be next level powerful. How many know what I'm talking about? Boy, what did you do to these pants? Right? What did you do to this shirt? Were you fighting in a coal mine? What is going on? And you got to soak that. You got to soak it in something powerful. And you know what that is? That is a picture of sanctification. It's the word of God working through us. Come on, somebody. If you're not at me, let me know you're hearing what I'm saying. That sanctification is God's word working through, flushing out the flesh. How many need to flush out the flesh sometimes? Somebody cuts you off. You need to flush out. Come on, somebody. Oh, Lord, help me to flush out the flesh right now. You ever got cut off in traffic and you were like, dear Jesus, help them right now because I may be the one that's threatening. Help them and help me not to lay hands on them. And it's not biblically. Sanctification says, I'm going to stop. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit because I've been here before and I don't want to do this again. Sanctification. That's that process. And so he's talking here and he's saying, listen, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling of his blood. How many know that his blood cleanses us, makes us whole again? Amen? He goes on to say several things here, but I want to jump for a moment Uh, to verse 6 and 7 for just a moment. And he says, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a while. These trials will show what? That your faith is genuine. Did you know that every time you go through trials, your faith can be made genuine? How do I genuine, how do I genuineize? Here's a word you never heard before because I just made it up. How do I genuineize my faith? I'm good at these words, man. I make them up, Brock, on the spot. How do I genuineize my faith? 
How do, I, how do I make it authentic? How do I make it original? How do I stand on it and realize that every single day I'm going to be tempted, I'm going to be tried, but i got to stand firm because the sanctifying of Jesus Christ is making me more like him. Not destructive, not distracted, but different. Come on, somebody. Is this helping you? Are you taking notes? I hope so. Something, something has to give because these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Friends, that's good news. That means what? There is genuine faith in this world. You ever lost faith in somebody? I've lost faith in a lot of people in my day. I've recently lost some faith in some athletes that want to go political on me. Just play your sport. Just, just being honest. Let us think for ourselves, believe for ourselves, and understand that our, where, what we take and who we believe is not a celebrity, it's not an athlete, it's not a musician. Friends, it has to be found here. And if it's not found here, friends, I don't care how many millions of dollars they make, Forget what you have to say because just because you're powerful in someone else's eyes doesn't mean you speak into mine. Am I right? I know I am. But I appreciate your affirmation. Right? Let's start living that way. What if we started living in such a way that it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks, even the ones that make a trillion dollars more than you they have to answer to God too. You don't skip the line. You don't get some sort of Disney pass. You don't get some fast pass to heaven just because you made money in your lifetime, just because you're a celebrity. Friend, let me tell you something. Every one of us will stand before God one day because of our trials and somewhere, not because of our trials, but rather uh, we will stand before God one day and just because our trials had, had put us in a position where we had to make a decision, that shouldn't mean that you have to fail in that decision. If you trust in the word, you'll know exactly what you need to do. God's word is clear. God's word is life and life more abundantly. Friends, stop waiting for somebody to like you or agree with you or approve of you because genuine faith comes when trials come and you stick to it. Stick to the word of God. Stick to the promises of God. He will see you through it. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, so because, because he brought up, he being Peter, brought up this thought, there is genuine faith. How many know that there is such thing as a false faith? By nature, if there's genuine faith, there is something that's not genuine and that's false. Right? So false faith is a real problem and that's a real problem in the church, not outside the church. People outside of the church don't have a faith problem. They have a salvation problem. Hear me. Outside the church is a salvation problem. Inside the church, there's a faith problem. Yeah? Because we have a faith problem, we start to look at things. Some would even say that false faith is like a Trojan horse in the church. We got in the church. Oh, good, we're in church. We're safe now. No. You still have to understand you walk this thing out. 
Whether you are a member at Freedom, a partner at Freedom, a regular attendee, a high giver, a low giver, you've been volunteering since day one, since we opened in the bingo hall, you were here. It does not matter. When you stand before God one day, he, you have to give an account for what you have done with your life, not what the church did. I was a part of a church that did this, and church. God's going to say, but what did you do? And you have to give an answer for that. False faith will cause you to sit back and be a spectator. Genuine faith will say, let me get in the mix. So here's what I'm talking about. People that believe uh, one of the biggest challenges in churches today is this false faith. People that believe if I can just go to church enough, that will appease God and everything will be okay. And let me tell you this, different faith will require different fire. I'm just, I'm going to pause for a moment. I need you to hear that. Different faith will require different fire. If you're, in, if you're doing ministry in different levels, you, God is going to have to give you a different fire for that ministry. Same Holy Spirit, but a different passion and how to approach that. But ultimately, it all comes down to this. Do I know him? And if I know him, loving people becomes a lot easier. You don't have to like everybody because hello? There's times that like, I love you, but I sure don't like you right now. Come on. I get that. But when it comes down to it, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I need to make sure I love my neighbor like I love myself. That's God's call to me. So let's look at it for a moment. A fire that we need for this world, the world cannot offer. So let's look at some false faith for just a moment. Number one is inherited faith. Inherited faith. Inherited faith is simply this. I was raised as a believer. It looks like this. Not sure that I believe all of this. There's some teenagers in the room that you were raised in the church. Some of you listening online, some of you watching online, you were raised in the church, but you're not even sure you believe all of this anymore. So you do it and you do it until you're no longer required to do it, and then you decide, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do what I want to do for myself. Can I tell you something? Until my children leave my home and get their own home, can I say this? Good, because I'm going to say it. Until, I leave, until my children leave my home, I am going to make sure that church is not a sideshow, that church is not on the shelf, that it is a priority and a mandate in my house. Until then, get over it. You have to know that you know that if you are in, under my roof, I know that there's inherited faith. I get that. But until you can make that decision and you're on your own, I'm going to keep instilling in your life. I'm not going to give you an option. I'm not going to give you the corner office in my home and you dictate when you go to church. Let me tell you what. Get up. Get dressed. We are going to church. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, I got half the claps on them. The other half, maybe I'm not so sure. But that's just how I believe. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When you hit 18 or when you go to college or when you get your own house or your own apartment, you can decide what you do on Sunday mornings. Until otherwise, get up. We're leaving at this such and such a time. You need to be ready. There's no option. 
One day when you have to make that decision, my hope is that every seed that I've ever had to plant in your life was already planted. That by the time you make that decision, you're saying, Mom, Dad, I want to go to church because Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Give them an option now, they'll have an option later. If I can just follow the rules and check off a box, this inherited faith will become my faith. No, it won't. You have to know why you do it. Second uh, false faith is shallow faith. That means worry overrides you right away. Here's the word of God. Here's the word of God. Something happens. Oh, no, forget it. The word failed me. Okay, this is the word of God. This is the word of God. Something happens at, at, at the home or something happens in your neighborhood or something happens on the news. Oh, oh my God has forgotten us. That's shallow faith, my friend. You need to realize what's shallow and what's deep. Stop having your faith be 3,000 miles wide and only three feet deep. You know everything that the word says, but you have no depth to your faith. Let's dive deeper, church. Let's dive deeper. Let's believe him even when the the eyes are not telling me that I'm seeing what I know to be true. Sometimes you need to close your eyes to see what God is doing. Are you hearing me? Case in point, I tend to have a little bit more faith when I watch less news. (laughs) Sometimes you just, you need to shut off the news. And I find myself doing that lately. I've been over, over, overusing that snooze button on Facebook. Snoozing people. Listen, I can't take this negativity. That's how come I, I do everything possible to spread laughter and love and positivity because there's not enough of that out there. But what if we decided to live differently? Shallow faith wouldn't be present. If we live differently, we realize God has called us to be deeper. Third one is conditional faith. In other words, I will believe God as long as things go my way, right? I promise that all things are gonna be all about God until something goes wrong. Something goes wrong at work, well then God has forgotten me. Conditional, Lord, I will serve as long as, I will love and give as long as, I will go to that church and hear Pastor Tony preach as long as, He doesn't make up another word again. Because my vocabulary is just, I have to write these things down, these words I've never heard before. You hear what I'm saying? That conditional, just if something goes wrong, you know, my purposes are all of a sudden skewed and I can't, listen, God is calling us to have a faith that's deeper than inherited faith. Listen, I want my children all my children, I have three beautiful, wonderful children. And I want them to love Jesus with all of their heart. I do. But there's going to come a day where I, daddy can't be there. They have to learn to walk on their own two feet. My job is to make sure I pour everything I can to make sure they're strong enough to walk on their own. Church, and every parent in this room, and every parent listening, The church cannot disciple your children. You must. We can encourage. We can can give them some reinforcements. We can give some things to boost their faith, that midweek thing, you know, on Wednesday nights. If your kids are not coming here, they need to come. If you are part of this church and your kids are not coming to youth on Wednesday nights at 630, you need to get them here. Get them here. 
What are you waiting for? For somebody else to tell them what to believe? Because that's going to happen. I promise you, if it hasn't happened already, it's going to happen. They're being told now in, in the younger grades who they should like. That it's okay to have this kind of home, home situation and that kind of home situation. I have two mommies. I have two daddies. They're saying every, all this stuff is okay. And you have to tell your children what you believe the word of God says. What will you tell them? Pastor, don't touch that. I'm going to touch it, and I'm going to touch it hard. Because guess what? The world is telling them lies, and we are, we are just buying it. We're letting the world teach them. Friends, inherited faith, shallow faith, and conditional faith, it will, it will injure your life. It will injure your family. It will put you in a bad place. You will not hear from God. Friends, we need to realize that every single day in our lives, we are being called to be different. So let me give you something on how to, how does God use your trials? Let me ask you this question. How does God use your trials then? So two thoughts, two frame of thoughts. And here it is. Number one, trials reveal your faith. Let's look at verse seven. First Peter chapter one, verse seven. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through the refine, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. A faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. We look at Luke for a moment. You don't have to turn there, but let me read just for a moment two verses in Luke 22. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Can I tell you something? We look back at that verse, and what's important about that? That's Jesus talking to Simon Peter, who's the one writing First Peter. And he's telling him, I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. And what did he say there exactly? That Satan has asked to sift you, all of you, as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Friends, I'm asking you to ask God. And I'm asking on your behalf, and I'm praying that our church would not allow themselves to fail. Because of their faith. God has called you to be different. Come on, look at your neighbor real quick and tell him God has called you to be different. Tell him. Come on, don't, don't look at me and just ignore it. Tell somebody. God has called you to be different. Tell him. He's called you to be different, right? And when you have turned back, I like what he says here at the end of that verse, that second verse of Luke 22. He says, and when you have turned back, Strengthen your brothers. That's why we join together. That's why we gather to strengthen each other when we're weak. We celebrate Jesus. We strengthen each other. And we realize that when you go through trials, we need each other. Stop thinking that church is just a place where you go to get stuff. We strengthen each other. There's times I walk into this room and I got a word to strengthen you with. And someone comes up to me and says something encouraging. Someone says something 
powerful to me. It gives me a word. Pastor, I just felt real strongly to tell you this. And they give me something encouraging. Friend, I'm not, I'm not upside from that. I need to hear that too. Right? And so do you. So when I come here, I know that I'm, by and large, I'm here to give the word. I know what God has called me to give you the word. But if I don't get the word, how can I give the word? If God has strengthened you through your trials, there's somebody that may need to hear what you're going through or you've went through so you can help them through theirs. That's what makes us the church, the ecclesia. The fellowship of the saints. That's what separates us from everybody else. That's what makes us, come on somebody. Makes us different. God has called me to be. He's called us to be different. I like what it says in James, just for a moment again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials. Of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? Are you kidding me? This is maturing you, friends, and complete. You know why? Because if you don't go through trials, you are literally incomplete. And I like to say it like this. If you're not going through trials at some point in your life, you should ask the questions why. And the answer could be a one you may not like. If you call yourself a believer, there's one of two reasons. If you go through a length of time and you don't feel like you have a trial of your faith. Look at me. One of two reasons is this. One, either... You are not, you've not made Jesus Lord of your life. Or the other one, you're not a threat. The enemy doesn't consider you a threat. Trust me. Let me, let me give you by case of example. Are you with me? You ever, have you ever been like away from God for a time? And then the moment you decide you want to, you know what? I'm going to read scripture every day for the next month and you throw some sort of really strong idea right you ever went through something like that where you're like you know what i'm gonna pray three times a day now if the muslims could do it i could do it you know whatever you know you know you make up some sort of idea like some big thing and then all of a sudden something goes wrong like something breaks in your car you get you know something happens at work something happens at home something happens and you're like what is going on? And then this happens and that happens. Why? Why? To do everything to distract you. Why? Because you're going the right direction. You're making a change in your life. The enemy doesn't want you to make a change in your life. He doesn't want you to make Jesus Lord of your life. He doesn't want you to do the right things. But know this, that if you just stay with it, God will honor your commitment to him. Amen? Those, those are very serious things. I'm living for God. All of a sudden, something goes wrong. In my younger years, I was bold yet inconsistent. I was bold because I was like, I'm bold about this. And then, oh, oh this is cool. I'm bold about that. And then this happens over here. Oh, I'm bold about this. You know what I realized after a while? You can't be bold about everything. Because then people are like, I don't, 
I particularly like being around you right now because everything is a shout. And I was inconsistent early in my faith. You know what? I have to realize what has God called me to do right now and be bold about that. I can't, I can't run around telling everybody what to do and I myself have not been consistent in my life. So I realize as I mature in my faith, I'm patient and I work toward the faithfulness of God in my life. I realize some things, some people are not going to take my boldness for themselves. They're not going to take it. And I have to be okay with that. So if you find yourself wrecked with pain, one thing I tell you and I promise you, there's purpose in your pain. There's purpose in your pain. God never wastes a single moment of hurt in your life. So let me give you my second and final point. Trials draw you closer to God. Moses grew up in a foster home. Let me give you the rundown of this. As an adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, he spent 40 years learning a language and the ways of the Egyptians. And what prepared him for this? What better preparation for understanding your enemy than being raised among them? (laughs) Friends, I'm not saying the world is your enemy, but I know that the enemy is out there. And he wants to. He wants to mess with your mind, mess with your faith. Moses needed to learn a few personal things, a few personal lessons. And God took him into the desert for 40 years to tend the sheep. He took him to tend sheep before he was going to lead the people out of Egypt. Why? Because the people that were in Egypt waiting for him tended to be like sheep. Are you hearing me? God was prepping him in the desert so that when he leads God's people through the desert, he would know how to lead sheep. Isn't that true? I know it is. Because Exodus is very clear how the people all of a sudden, when something goes wrong, we should go back to Egypt. What? Let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to being given just crumbs off of the king's table, just enough to live. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Look at this with me. You love, that is God, even though you have never seen him, and though you are not Uh, And though you do not see him now, you trust him and rejoice with the glorious, inexpressible joy. The result of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Friends, when God calls you to be different and you trust him, we're looking at a world today, right now, we're looking at a world that unfortunately... They believe, as many did in Jesus' day, that the Messiah would come and deliver his people from the present suffering that we're enduring around us. Friend, can I tell you something real simple and real clear? Jesus came not to to reveal, or rather, not to save us from the suffering around us, but hear me, Jesus came to deliver us from the suffering that is happening within us. But like many people of the day, we look through the Bible and we see that many people thought that Jesus was going to deliver them from 
the bad guys, okay? In Moses' day, it was Pharaoh. In the New Testament, it was, it was the, the Pilate and the kings and Herod and all the bad guys that took over their, their city and ran them over. You ever felt run over? You ever felt like life run you over? Can I tell you something? Trials can feel like that. But I'm here to tell you, you can trust him today to be the one to walk with you. And I tell you, First Peter is chock full of different opportunities. And we're going to go through some of that. There's no way we can go through all of it. But I, there's so much rich text in here. And you're going to hear that in the next few weeks. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of grace. Listen, there's things that God wants you to know. And one of those things is you trust in him, this glorious faith, and because of that, there will be salvation of your souls. Look at me. God wants to save your life and your family and your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. He wants to create a generational blessing, but it has to start somewhere. Why not now? Why not here? Why not today? God has called you to be different. I look at how God has called us to be different, and I'm closing here. Hear me. Hear my heart. When God calls you to be different, he calls you to set apart yourself for his work. And the only way you can set apart for his work is to realize that I might have to leave some things. I might have to leave some things. Are you okay with that? It might be people. It might be possessions. But every single time people left things for God, trust me, they were better for it. Amen? God has called you to be. He's called you to be. He's called you to be different. I challenge you today. Listen. You are not supposed to be like everybody else. You're not a replica. You're an original. Let's live like originals. Pointing to the Savior that has died. The, the one who gave his life for you. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He's called you to be different. Would you bow your heads with me all across this place? Father, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for 1 Peter. I'm thankful for this letter you allowed Peter to write. Peter, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, wrote truth to a people that were going through pain and suffering. I'm asking you for every person at the sound of my voice that is going through pain and suffering. I'm asking you, God, would you help them to see that it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit that you will drive them through what they're going through? Father God, I'm asking you, come, invade our space and allow us to see that, God, you called us to live a hope, to be holy, to be a people who are, are submissive to you and your word. God, you called us to be that. Let us walk in that truth today that we may acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord. 
It is in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Would you stand with me if you could for a moment? With the house lights up for a moment, I want to talk to you, Freedom, because, man, there's something happening in this body that's resurrecting the Spirit of God in our services. And if you don't sense it, I ask you to go back and try again. The difference of him calling you out is, is different than the, why the world calls you out. The world will call you out to mock you. God calls you out to mock you. The world calls you out to mock you. God calls you out to mark you. You are mine. Cindy, you are mine, God says. Brock, God says you are mine. Lori, you are mine, says the Lord. And I will mark you as long as you're willing to be marked. First Peter is full of suffering because he's addressing it. He's addressing the suffering that people are going through. And some of you are going through pain. You feel like it's by yourself. You don't have to go through it. Can I tell you something? You have a church leadership here that love you. And we want to walk through this thing with you. Whatever it looks like. But I promise you, you will get through this. You will get through this. How many can say amen to that? Amen. amen? Let God mark you today. My goodness, don't let the enemy mock you and think that you are less than. Because you are greater than. Turn the table on him. I am greater than. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen. My prayer today is if you find yourself discouraged that you have a hope in Jesus Christ. 